Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey guys, it's Kayla. I'm so happy you're able to join us today because we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. And that's okay. It really is okay. And we tell all kinds of stories here on this podcast and some are funny and some are uncomfortable and some are heart-wrenching. And today we're going to talk about storytelling and a specific story that involves all of that. My guests today, Ray Serretto and Kelly Scott, founded a production company called Honeypot Productions in 2020. And they have a new documentary out called Seeking Asylum. And what is great about Honeypot Productions is they prioritize hiring female identified crew and staff from diverse backgrounds. They foster conversations of understanding, compassion, and growth in our world through visually stunning and character-driven narratives. I was lucky enough to see their first feature-length documentary, Seeking Asylum, following a family 
across the U.S.-Mexico border and their entire journey trying to seek asylum here in the United States. My conversation with them is so compelling and they are such incredible individuals. I'm really excited to share with you guys. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Ray Serretto and Kelly Scott of Honeypot Productions. And I am here with Ray Serretto and Kelly Scott from Honeypot Productions. Your company, Honeypot Productions, focuses on fostering conversations of understanding through character-driven narratives. And I happen to be lucky enough to attend one of the screenings of your very first feature-length documentary titled Seeking Asylum here in Los Angeles. And I immediately knew I had to have you both on to have a conversation on air about what you're doing. And, you know, it's interesting because we all can choose what stories we want to tell. And you guys choose some of the hardest, most difficult stories to tell, but the most important ones to tell. So before we unpack Seeking Asylum and all that it addresses, can you take us through the development of Honeypot Productions, how you choose what stories you tell, and why you felt that this specific subject was deserving of your first feature? Well, first of all, thank you so much for the intro and thank you so much for having us. I think Honeypot Productions was an organic evolution of the work that I was doing. I was a photojournalist and I was working for nonprofit organizations around the globe. So my background was with working with a lot of women's issues, refugees, Operation Smile, UNICEF, UNHCR. So it was already a part of my career and my narrative. And Kelly and I formed Honeypot Productions when we knew we wanted to make this film. When we knew we wanted to make Seeking Asylum, I told her the idea that I had. I'd been working at the migrant caravan starting at the end of 2018, when that was, you know, the narrative about people coming to seek asylum in the United States was pretty negative. And, um, you know, I had this idea, I wanted to tell this different story. I, the, the women that I was working with on the other side of the border in Tijuana, you know, I didn't think that they were getting their story told in a fair way. So, you know, I came to Kelly and I said, I want people to see them. I want people to hear them. I want people to hear their voices. I wanted people to know that it's not this narrative of rapists and murderers and these people coming to take all of our jobs. Like, that's just not the case. It's women and children fleeing, fleeing for their lives. And, um, you know, when I told her about this idea, it was, again, it was a natural evolution of the film. And, you know, we started our production company and, you know, Honey Pop Productions is women telling the stories of women. And we thought that that was also really important because there's such a unique story. There's such a powerful story when women come together and you really see that in our film. Mm-hmm. I want to dive into Seeking Asylum and how amazing it was to watch, but also how difficult it was to watch. I know that it's an extension of your documentary short titled We Do Not Live Here, which was also featured in Rolling Stone. But for those who have yet to see Seeking Asylum, can you give us a little bit of a synopsis of what it is about? Yeah. So it's about a woman named Kenzie from Honduras who, you know, is seeking asylum in the United States. So she traveled on foot with her three children to reach Tijuana, crossed over to the United States, requested asylum. And that time MPP was taking place. So she was immediately deported back to Tijuana, basically left, you know, on the side of the road and ended up finding a shelter, thankfully, she was welcomed into. And that's where we met her and, you know, picked up telling her story. We end up following her into the US and kind of documenting the difficulties of what it's like seeking asylum, even once you've made it to the U.S., you know, because I think that that's a, a lot of the stories that you hear about are on the other side of the border. And there's this idea that once you get here, you know, everything's great. And that's just 
absolutely not the case. And there are still significant struggles, even once you're in the United States. So, you know, we really follow that part of her story and, you know, her family's journey. And, you know, it's the story of a mother who's willing to do anything to, you know, protect her family and, you know, save their lives, basically. And that's a story and that we all relate to and something that we, uh, no matter where we were born, would do the anything for our own children. And that's really important for our audience to see was that like, you know, there's so much political divide right now in our country, especially regarding immigration. And what we really wanted to do was tell the story that anybody could be like, okay, this is a mother. This is my sister. This is somebody that I have in my life where if faced with the same decision, you would do the same. You know, and again, it's just the story of a woman fighting for her children's lives, trying to, you know, trying to trying to make it you know, make their lives better. And I think, again, anybody can relate to that. Oh, it's so true. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we're back. How do you choose Kenzie? What can you take me through the logistics of, uh, you know, want, knowing you want to tell someone's specific story? There are unfortunately so many stories of this nature. So how do you choose Kenzie? How do you even approach her and explain to her what you want to do and what you're doing and get that permission? Because it, it is so private. You, I mean, she trusts you completely in that documentary. And we all see the most private, intimate, heart-wrenching moments of this experience with this family. Yeah. I mean, definitely there's a lot of ethics around finding, you know, the right person who, who it's safe for them to tell their story and that they feel comfortable going on camera. And, you know, again, as you said, explaining, you know, what this really means and the journey that they're embarking on, you know, Ray and I were lucky because she had been working down there, you know, for quite a while by the time we started filming that, you know, we were in, she had that experience of being in the camps and, you know, women knowing her also our field producer was really involved with the shelters. So, you know, we kind of had that in right away. So we actually met with a lot of different women and heard, you know, they all had incredible heartbreaking stories. It was basically like two or three days of Ray and I like crying with these women, hearing their stories and, you know, just, you know, having these incredible experiences. But Ultimately, all of the women that we interviewed outside of Kenzie, they couldn't show their face on camera. You know, they ended up, it was just going to put their families in danger that were still in their home country. So, you know, that was super important to us that we found somebody that, you know, we, it, it's not part of our ethos as a company to put anybody in danger or anything like that. So, you know, we really took the time to find someone who ended up being Kenzie who felt comfortable. She no longer had any family in Honduras. So, she wasn't afraid of any retaliation and home country. And, you know, she was on board. I mean, I would say from the first minute, she she really knew kind of what this opportunity was and saw it as an opportunity and, you know, wanted to connect and tell her story and get that out there. And, you know, Ray and I saw that in her and connected with her right away. And, you know, then over four years, it's like, you know, we still, our Spanish isn't great and her English isn't great, but, you know, we were on the phone with her the other day and it's like, we don't even need the translator anymore because we just have that emotional connection with her where, you know, we can really just connect. And it, it's been quite, quite the journey getting the opportunity and the privilege to, you know, help tell her story. And I think, you know, Ray and I have really felt very blessed to meet someone as incredible as her and, you know, spend so much time with her another aspect of it was just total serendipity because, you know, she ended up being in our backyard in Los Angeles. So, you know, when the, when the border closed, she just happened to be here. We were peak COVID pandemic. Everything was locked down and we're like, 
she's 20 minutes away from our, you know, for our home. So we got really incredibly lucky. And I think that that's like another part of filmmaking, especially documentary. We always say like, you know, follow the breadcrumbs. You really, you, you, you don't know when you start how it's going to evolve. And this just evolved in such an organic way. And we were just like, we had to, no matter, no matter what obstacles we were like, we just had to keep going and we kept going for, I mean, now it's, you know, four years, we just kept going and that was it. And and she was here and, you know, we, we filmed outside, we had all the precautions and everything, but it was, yeah, it was, it just, it was just such an organic evolution. Do you need permits to shoot a documentary like this? No. Okay. You're allowed to yeah. just shoot because you guys really do it. I mean, you, the family walks outside, you follow the family outside, you follow them anywhere they go. And you're right, even through COVID and all of that. And then they ca- they get COVID. I mean, there's so many things that they go through, but there are such wonderful moments too. There's a moment where the family is finally all together and reunited and she's, Kenzie's making homemade tortillas. And it's something so simple of just a family sitting down together and having a homemade meal. And it is the happiest moment and it doesn't last long as we learn and there are were there times when you saw something happening that you really wanted to change i think i that i can imagine that must be the hardest part about documentary storytelling is you are there to document not to help but you see someone in such need you must want to help so can you take us through that and what that experience is like I mean, I think any person seeing people suffering, you want to help them. So, you know, I think that there's a fine balance between us as filmmakers, but us also as humans. So, you know, there were moments where we were assisting her finding a doctor. You know, there were, Kelly was on the phone, I think for five hours trying to navigate the system. But that's also a part of the story is, you know, Kelly and I are native English speakers, educated, we're from this country. And even we had a hard time accessing these resources for her family. So it was like, you know, we, 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 we got donations from the community when they moved into their apartment. I think that you can't, when, you know, we were involved with her for so long, I think that you can't totally remove yourself from that situation, you know, because she did become such a big part of our lives. So we did, we, you know, we helped her. I think there was times we were sending them medicine and groceries and stuff like that just to sort of help because, you know, they, they had us and you think of what other people go through where they come to this country with literally nothing no money, the women are robbed, you know, they come with no family, no connection, no shoelaces. A lot of times they get dumped on the streets and that's how they get targeted by the gangs, like, you know, with a packet of paper and no family. So, you know, just to think of like how she was able to sort of go through the system and how hard it was for her. You know, I think of all the other people who literally don't have anybody. And a lot of the times it's unaccompanied minors as well. I mean, that's heartbreaking. You know, at least her kids had her and her partner. Well, and we we had met her, you know, in Tijuana. And it was, as you've seen in the film, it's kind of a crazy circumstance that she ends up here. But, you know, for her to even have somebody to call you know, when she got here, I, so many people don't even have that, you know, and they were lucky too. They, they happened to know another woman that was letting them live at their house, you know, but Kenzie didn't even know what was going on with her case when she got here, you know, cause she was in the state. She was like, Oh, I I've made it, you know, this is positive. And we were going, I, I don't know, like, we've got to get to the bottom of this. And, you know, the truth was it wasn't positive. And, you know, she was basically paroled awaiting deportation, you know, just given what was going on with the border closure and title 42 and everything. But yeah, I think that that was really eye-opening for Ray and I, and, you know, particularly too going through COVID, that's something that we all experienced, you know, and I think that, 
not everybody can imagine what it would be like to live in a tent with your family, you know, on the other side of the border. But we all went through COVID, we all went through lockdowns. And most of us had the privilege of not having to go to work or, you know, working from home. And you're not in that position of, you know, I don't have a place to live. I don't have any money. I don't have a job. I'm, you know, waiting on the side of the road, trying to do manual labor in a really dangerous and confusing time. You know, so I think that that was kind of also like an equalizer in some ways where, you know, we were kind of all going through this experience together. And it just was even more eye-opening to see, you know, what she was struggling with on top of that. You know, Kelly, you brought up Title 42. And for those listening that may not know exactly what it is or, you know, need a little bit of a refresher, just so you know, Title 42 is the name of an emergency authority that was a holdover from President Trump's administration. And it began March 2020. And it did allow U.S. officials to turn away migrants who came to seek asylum. And they were turned away because of the prevention of COVID-19. Biden initially kept it in place, but his administration announced in January it was going to end a national COVID-19 emergency. And with that, border restrictions went away. So now where does this leave us? Where does it put these people who are journeying from their homes because they fear for their lives? They're taking a dangerous, often deadly journey to make it to the border. I know she traveled from Honduras. People are traveling from all over to make it to the U.S.-Mexico border. And it's such an interesting point you guys have that you it's almost advertised that once you make it across the border, you're in. But that is just one of the many hurdles that they have to experience. And so after telling this story, can I get your personal feelings on this and what you think the biggest issues are at large and how you think we can help? Can we help? Sometimes it feels like these issues are so gigantic that there's nothing we can do, but we do know every little bit counts. I just want to start by saying that was a great summary of Title 42. So kudos to you. I did my research. That's not off the top of my head, but thank you. (laughs) Well, but these policies aren't easy to talk about because a lot of the time they're just so layered and so complex that, you know, even for us trying to explain stuff is difficult. So just giving... (laughs) You props for that. But yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things, and Ray and I talk about this a lot, is asylum is legal. So it's actually illegal for us to not allow people to seek asylum in the United States. That's in our laws that, you know, if you fear for your life, if you're being persecuted, you can come here and ask for protection. It doesn't mean you're guaranteed protection, but it should mean that you're you're given access to a process it, that's fair <laughs> and you know you you get to tell your story and have that be evaluated and you know in theory it's a 1 in 10 chance that you'll be sent back to any sort of danger you should be allowed to get asylum obviously we know that that's not the rules that we're operating under at this time but you know that's what the supreme court has said so you know Laws like Title 42 are not laws, rather policies. You know, I, they're allowed to stand because of the way immigration is in this country right now. But, you know, it is going against our laws. And, you know, something now that Title 42 is gone, we have the asylum ban that, you know, the Biden administration has announced, which means that asylum seekers are going to have to seek asylum in another country before they arrive here if they've passed through a different country. So, Unless you're an asylum seeker from Mexico or Canada, that means you're going to pass through another country. So, you know, and for Central Americans, it's a huge problem because a lot of the time what they're fleeing now is gang related violence and all these gangs operate 
you know, within all of the Northern Triangle through Mexico. I mean, they're even here in the States, but the dangers are different because we do have, you know, police that aren't corrupt and, you know, there isn't like impunity for murder here. Um, It's a little bit different, but, you know, you can't say that somebody who's fleeing from, you know, MS-13 and El Salvador will be safe from them in Guatemala or Mexico. It's just absolutely not true. I think the saddest part is, you know, people are dying because of these policies that we've had over the years. And, you know, we don't say that casually. It's not an idea. Like people are dying regularly because we are putting them in harm's way. You know, the other day, we just had an eight-year-old die in custody of Border Patrol, which is horrifying. You know, we saw the, the fire that broke out in Juarez at the men's shelter, where I think 60 people died, you know. And again, those are documented deaths. This isn't somebody who was forced to be in a tent, you know, on the side of the road that was then attacked. So it's it's just really unfortunate. It's the consequences for not allowing people to seek asylum here are very, very serious and very real. It's It's human lives that are at stake. And, you know, I think that that gets lost a lot of the time in these conversations that, you know, it's... It's just someone, you know, seeking some opportunity that's coming here on a whim or whatever. And it's just not the case. You know, yes, there are not everybody that's coming here is an asylum seeker, but we are talking about asylum seekers and a lot of them are asylum seekers. And, you know, they deserve to be safe. They deserve to be heard and go through the process and have a fair process. That's, you know, it's it's not a crazy concept. Um So I I just think it's really disappointing for us to see that, you know, in the process of making this film, things have not improved at all. If anything, they've continued to worsen despite a change of administrations. And, you know, it doesn't look, you know, immigration is going to be a hot topic in the 2024 election. And it's not looking promising, which is just absolutely heartbreaking, I think, for, for Ray and I to see. Yeah, I think it's heartbreaking for a lot of us. And one way to help is to put get these stories out there, because I think you're right. At some point, it just becomes, you know, another death is just another number in the news, right? It loses the heart and it loses everything. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? 
Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. And we're back. And I was just going to say, I know that this seems like such a huge issue, which it is. But one of the things that we were really adamant about throughout the filmmaking process was our impact strategy. So along with the film and obviously viewing it, we have a very, very thorough on our website, seekingasylumfilm.com. If you want to do anything, we have tiers from signing petitions to hosting a screening to you know donating to volunteering because we want people to that want to be engaged to be able to do whatever they're comfortable with. So we really encourage people to go check that out and and find what fits for them because we understand that especially in this climate, things are overwhelming. People are having a hard time even like taking care of themselves. So it's hard to 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 care, honestly. And so along with the film, we were like, okay, let let's let's make a tangible way that people can get involved. So that was really important to us. And we have incredible nonprofit partners from KIND to UNHCR to the Young Center to Jewish Family Service. Every single person that we've been able to engage in this film has been so supportive and they've, you know, they we're supporting them by using our film and our impact strategy. So everything we do, we do for the people that are in the field that are, you know, working every single day on the ground. Yeah. And this is about humanity where we met you, another incredible organization. So yeah, just for those listening, we will have the link to all of those organizations to seekingasylumfilm.com in our show notes. So it's really easy if this is something that you feel, you know, compelled to be a part of or even just learn more or donate or whatever it is, click on those links and make sure you read up on it because this is something that is not going away. And like you said, Kelly, it's in fact getting worse. And so we need to band together and actively continue to fight, I guess, for lack of a better word, for what we believe in. And for those those who don't have a voice, use the voice for those who don't. It's just doing something. I think that that's the biggest thing is like, you know, again, day to day is overwhelming right now. Just do something, anything, little thing, you know, even in your day to day, hosting a screening, talking to your neighbor, talking, having these conversations. I also think that, you know, these these polarizing views you can talk to somebody with opposing views. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. We really wanted to make a film that was fact-based, nonpartisan, and also humanitarian-based because we can all talk about humans. We can all talk about humanity. And I think, again, this is about humanity, not to like, but truly it is. Truly it is. You know, and like Kelly said, people are dying and we, we need to be having these conversations. We have to take the number and the statistic out of it, the politicians out of it. And we really have to say that eight-year-old that died, it's important to talk about who, who they were. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And, and I, I do agree. I think just having a conversation, you know, that is huge. And I think even us talking about this now, you know, not everybody knows that much about this. And even, you know, Ray and I talk about this a lot. I think we thought we knew about asylum and then going into the film, we really realized, you know, we really didn't know very much. So, you know, even just saying like, you know, do you know what an asylum seeker is to a friend, to a neighbor, you know, explaining that, you know, and that, that just goes back so much too, to the ethos of this project and our company and Ray's work, which is, you know, seeing another person. And that's basically, you know, when she pitched the film to me, she said that like, you know, for people that can't come 
to the camps. I want them to see these people and meet them and, and understand them and emotionally connect to them. And so that's why, you know, that's our entire goal with this project. And, you know, I think hopefully, you know, it resonates with people that, you know, after watching it, you feel like you understand Kenzie in the same way that, you know, if you were at a party and you met somebody that was a refugee and they told you their story, you know, you would really be able to connect with them and understand that experience a little bit more. And so, you know, if you can't go to the border and meet an asylum seeker, or you don't know any asylum seekers in your community, you know, Kenzie can be that person for you that can, you know, again, take kind of the politics out of it and just understand, you know, here's, again, this woman who's just trying to protect her family. Right. Yeah. And you guys have done that so beautifully, truly. And I I wanted to ask, is there another screening coming up for anyone listening that is uh, local to that area and they can see it? We we really encourage people to host community screenings. So our we've been on tour for quite Couple some months. time. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have any more major screenings. We're taking a little break. No, we're going to Italy next month. Oh God, yes. Sorry. <laughs> we are going, we have a screening in Italy for anybody that's in Puglia. We have yeah. people in Italy who listen. So that's great. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my baby brain talking. But so that's our first international screening. Domestically though, we have had such incredible community support actually through faith-based organizations have been incredible through college organizations. So we've had screenings, you know, people email us. Again, you can go to the website, click on host a screening. And I think we get several emails a day from people from people wanting to just tell their neighbors about it to, you know, huge college screenings, to fundraisers, to immigration conferences. So people are really taking this film, you know, this whole this whole project, uh, this whole film, it's all really been grassroots. So finding this support within the communities has been huge for us. And it's given this film a lot of legs and it's given, um, you know, education to people who need it. And, and that's, it's been really incredible. Well, that's so nice to hear. That's amazing. Thank you guys. Is there another story you're going to tell after this? Is it still, I, I realize you're so immersed in this story still, but are there any other stories you'd want to tell or how do you even unpack that just before we let you go? I, I think that, you know, that's always a point of conversation. Kelly and I, I think are always going to work within, you know, the sort of the refugee narrative, women's narratives. So the ethos of our company is revealing the humanity behind the headlines. So I think that whatever project we do take on next will be similar to this one in that, you know, if we see something, if we see, you know, a topic that really engages us, you know, we're going to, we're going to approach it in the same way that we did this one, which is, you know, we want to hear stories. We, we love, you know, female centered stories, the power of, you know, the human spirit. You know, we've got a couple, we've got a couple ideas brewing. We don't want to spoil any surprise, but you know, this is, this is, you know, the first of many, we think it's, you know, what we do is an important part of the collective narrative. And yeah, we're excited. We're excited for the next one. It really is so important. Thank you both for your work, what you're doing and the stories that you're choosing to tell and for being here today with me and starting this conversation. I'm really grateful and just grateful for both. Thank you. Thank you so much. What I love so much about these two and the stories that they're telling is exactly what they said. They are searching for the humanity behind the headlines and they just want the truth. They want to take away any 
sort of political aspect of any headline or story, and they just want to give you the information. And I loved their documentary for that reason. And I hope they continue to tell stories like that. Please do yourself a favor, go to their website, check it out. I will keep you informed on the Directionally Challenged Instagram if they have a screening coming up. I'll post the details for the Italy screening. So anyone listening in Italy, if you want to try to attend that, that'd be great. And for any other local ones in the United States or Canada or Mexico, anywhere else. We thank you guys so much for listening today. And we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Uh, We have another great one coming for you next week. Until then, take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions, hosted by me, Kayla Yule. Produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions. Editing by Diane Kang. Post-production sound by Coco Lawrence. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. Mm-hmm.